vacation? You ever notice when you go on vacation, you know, and you just kind of forget about your job and forget about time? And you ever like wake up and go, what day is it? I don't even know what day it is because every day feels like Saturday when you're on vacation. Or if you're retired, our retired people, man, sometimes they're like, I don't even know what day it is. Every day, you know, I'm, a, I'm retired. It's great. And then some retired people are more busy than they were when they were working. But, uh, you know, you, you kind of lose perspective of time. I think that's what's going to happen in heaven. Today we are bound by time. We're bound by schedules. And we're bound by our jobs. And we have to be here and we have to be there. But I believe our perspective of time will change. But it's not that time won't exist. In eternity. Does that make sense? Say yes if it does. Uh, uh, Randy Alcorn in his book that I've made reference to a couple of times, which I encourage you to get it. It's a good read. Uh, it's called Heaven. And he said this, we will live with time in eternity, but no longer under its pressure. Won't that be nice? No longer, no more daytimers, no more Franklins, no more outlook, man. We just, we won't have the pressure of time. But then there's this question here, why do the leaves need to provide healing for the nations? I mean, that's kind of weird. Well, first of all, nations, as we've seen already in our study, can also be translated peoples. So it's just talking about for the people of heaven. So that wasn't easy to answer. But what, what's this about the leaves providing healing from the tree of life? Well, the word healing here is from the Greek word therapia. It's where we get our English word therapeutic. It means it's health-giving. It means that we're going to enjoy an abundant, healthy life and living in heaven. It's not that we get sick and we need to be healed. It just means that everything God provides for us there is going to be healing. It's going to be therapeutic. It's going to be life-giving. It's going to be healthy. I mean, we are going to all be a perfect picture specimen of health in heaven. Won't that be nice? I mean, I mean it's going to be great. You know, I mean, no more having to work out. No more having to diet. No more sickness, no more disease. You know, I, I'm uh, 43 now. And uh, I, I, I've learned that when you get in your 40s, if you don't do something proactive for your health, your pants tend to shrink. It's just weird how that happens. And things just just change. And I, I, I recognize that. And so I, I've been trying to work out more and, and do some things. You know, I used to work out a lot when I was... In college, and I was a wrestler in high school, and then I kind of got away from it, this busyness of life. And I learned now that you know, if I want to enjoy life and have a healthy life, so I have to do something. I'm getting ready to go hunting. Hunting season is upon us, and I go hunting with some of the guys in the church. Now they're like in their upper twenties, and I'm in my, you know, forty-three. And if I don't like get ready for that, I will have a heart attack, and I will probably die on the mountain because they're like, come on, I'm like. You know, so I've been I've been trying to, to, to stay healthy and do things that are therapeutic and, and you know and I don't I don't work out to try to you know look better necessarily or, or buff you know I'm 43 this is as good as it's gonna get I mean you know I mean I'm just trying to maintain you know and be able to breathe and, and uh, you know I like to to uh, we've got an elliptical I like to ride that a little bit and I really like to ride my bike you know and so uh, I've got a mountain bike and I'm always trying to get my kids. To, you know, go, go ride, let's go ride bikes. And they're like, no, Dad, you ride too fast. And I'm like, well, if we don't ride fast, then it doesn't do any good, you know, if we're just out on a little leisurely stroll. Well, my daughter has got me on this new bike riding workout program. She's 13. And here's how it works. Her grandfather has had bought a moped several years ago. So he has let her have exclusive use of that moped. So she goes and rides her bike three blocks picks up the moped, comes back to our house, I get on my mountain bike, she's on the moped, 
and I ride my bike, and she rides the moped, and she's yelling the whole way, come on, Dad, what's your problem? Yeah, she thinks it's really great, really funny. So if you see a little girl riding up 104th and a guy about to die on the bike, that's us. But won't it be nice in heaven when everything is health-giving and we have this abundant, healthy life? It's therapeutic because the tree of life and the river of life are there. It is going to be sweet. It's going to be awesome. We've seen the river of life, the tree of life, and then finally today, we see the eternal life that we'll all enjoy to know Christ. Look at Revelation chapter 22, verse 3 through 5. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him, and they shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp or night or, the, or light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. John lists seven blessings of the eternal life we will experience in heaven in verses 3 through 5. Notice that it's seven. God's perfect, complete number, seven. And John, did you notice that I tried to emphasize it in verse 3 through 5? I don't think this is an accident in the scriptures. Seven times he says, this shall happen. This shall happen. This shall happen. You know, when you see the word shall in the Bible, it's not a hope or maybe or we'll see. It's an absolute. Every one of these things are a sure thing. They're a promise of God that we can bank on and we can count on. Aren't you thankful for a God that when He says something's going to happen, it's going to happen? When He gives you a promise that you can count on it? I mean, I've said this many times. There's one thing that you can always count on when it comes to people. You can't always count on people. But we've got a God you can count on. And He's got seven shalls here, seven blessings we will all enjoy eternal life in heaven. And man, this should get us excited because every one of these seven is great. They're good. They're exciting. Charles Spurgeon, famous preacher in London, he taught a lot of young men, uh, got them you know, trained for ministry, taught them how to preach. And he used to always say this to his young preacher boys. He would say, whenever you're teaching about heaven, let your face shine with a heavenly glow. Whenever you're teaching about hell, your everyday face will do just fine. <laughs> First blessing we see here in verse 3 of the 7 is there shall be no more curse. That's the theme of this passage. The curse is reversed. And God says emphatically, there shall be no more curse. Now, He doesn't say there's not going to be any more cursing. Although I don't think there will be that either. But the curse will be reversed. I mean, and, and, and you all, this curse affects everything in our life. I mean, the reason we get overweight is because of the curse. The reason we have sickness is because of the curse. The reason we have disease is because of the curse. I mean, everything negative is because of sin and because of this curse. And one day it's going to be gone. There will be no more curse. I mean, I'm tired of my brain cells dying and my fat cells multiplying. That's why i got to ride the bike and chase my daughter on the moped. But no more diets in heaven. Yes, praise God for that. And, and you know what? It, it goes beyond that. And you know this. The curse of sin is what causes heartaches, and sorrow, and pain, and turmoil, and ultimately death. The wages of sin is death. And you know, the realities of death are all around us. They tell us that every second, three people die. Ninety people per minute. Fifty-four hundred, over five thousand people die per hour in the world. And 130,000 people in the world die every day. You know why? Because of the curse. Because of the curse. I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, we've had some people that we love and care about dearly pass away. Now, we're thankful they knew Christ and they're in heaven uh, with the Lord. But you know what? One day there's going to be no more dying. 
There's no, going to be no more parting of our loved ones. The curse will be reversed. Pastor Barry's not here this morning because his 95-year-old grandmother went home to be with the Lord last week. And he's in Ohio. You know, our, our dear, uh, beloved friend and, and faithful church member, Guy Bogart, went home to be with the Lord just a couple of weeks ago. It's good to see Sable here this morning. God bless you, Sable. We've been praying for her. And we know that he's in heaven. But you know what? It's going to be great someday when there's no more goodbyes. There's no more death. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. And you know, a lot of times we, we try to soften the reality of death, but it's all around us. I heard a story about a, a young mother. She was walking along the, the seashore with her, her young boy. And there was a, a seagull that had died. It was laying there on the beach. And they came up on the seagull and the little boy said to his mom, he said, Mommy, what, what happened to that seagull? And trying to soften the reality of death, she said, well... You know, that the seagull probably got sick, and so God allowed it to die so we could go to heaven and, and be with God. And the little boy looked at it for a second puzzle, and he asked his mommy, he said, Well, then why did God throw him back down here? <laughs> Pretty good question. <laughs> but you know what? No matter how we try to soften the reality of death and the curse of, of that, it's a biblical reality. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, in Adam all die. Because of the curse. But here's the good news. Even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. The curse is reversed. You see, the paradise lost in Genesis is the paradise found in Revelation. The, the way of the tree of life that was closed in Genesis is open in Revelation. Because there will be no more curse. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. Man, that is awesome. And then second, letter B. Another blessing of the eternal life is that there shall be, John says, the throne of God in heaven. There will be the throne of God. Now, you remember in our study uh, in the last couple of weeks in Revelation 21, we learned there will be no temple in heaven because God will be everywhere and His glory will be there. And we don't have to go to a place. He's with us all the time. But His throne will be there. And He'll be sitting on that throne. Today it tells us, and we love to quote the verse, and it's a, it's a verse that gives us great peace and hope and promise in Hebrews 4 it tells us that we can go to the throne of grace in a time of need. We can go to the throne today of God in prayer, but y'all, you know what's cool? One day we get to go to the throne in person. Not just in prayer. In person because God is sitting on the throne. And don't ever miss this. Heaven is much more about a person than it is about a place. It's because God will be there and we'll be in His presence and He'll be in ours and He's sitting on the throne and we get to see Him face to face as we'll see in just a moment. And then the third thing John says is that's a blessing of heaven, the eternal life, is that we shall serve Him. End of verse 3. We shall serve Him. You know, uh, there was a pretty well-known far side cartoon and I'm afraid, unfortunately, this is some people's view of heaven. We can put that up there. Uh, they, he's done some on heaven and, and you got this guy, you know, with wings and a halo sitting on a cloud, which is already out of whack. And he says, wish I'd brought a magazine. You know, we can kind of chuckle at that, but basically it's trying to tell us that when we get to heaven, we're going to be bored out of our minds. And I've had people sometimes ask that, well, will heaven be boring? What? Are you kidding me? All this stuff we're looking at in Revelation. I mean, with our glorified bodies and all these things of being with God and God's people. I mean, that is very finite thinking to think that heaven will be boring. I, I think there are, this is my personal opinion, I think there are two major misconceptions when it comes to eternity. One is the misconception here. Some people say, oh, I, I don't mind going to hell because I'm going to get down there with my buddies and it's just going to be an eternal party. Wrong. 
And I think the other misconception of eternity is that if you go to heaven, you're going to be bored out of your mind. Wrong. I believe that when we get to heaven, it'll blow our minds. And I believe it'll put a grin on our face from ear to ear bigger than you've ever had in your life. There are not going to be any sour faces in heaven. I mean, we are going to go, my gosh. I mean, we, we try to understand it and grasp it in what we read in the Scriptures. And we're thankful that God has given us this. But I'm telling you all, I believe just with all my heart, it is going to be beyond what we can even comprehend. you believe that? It's going to be amazing. It's going to be anything but boring. C.S. Lewis said this, joy is the serious business of heaven. I like that. Joy is the serious business of heaven. And one of the joys of heaven is that we shall serve the Lord. We get to serve the one who served us by giving his life for us so we get to spend eternity with him. And he deserves it. And there's nobody that deserves to be served more than the Lord. And you know, we don't know all of the ways we're going to serve Him, what that's going to look like. I believe we're going to serve with Him in His kingdom and eternity. And He's going to have these cool responsibilities for us beyond what we can even imagine. We really don't know all the ways. But I will tell you this. We do know some of the ways we can serve the Lord now. And you know what? The more we serve the Lord now, and the more we enjoy serving the Lord now, it just gets us ready for heaven. So you know what, if you'd like to sit on the sideline of your Christian life right now and not serve in any way, you might want to get busy. You might want to get in the game. Because you're going to be getting ready for heaven as we're going to serve the Lord. And you know, here in a couple of weeks, when we finish Revelation, we're going to just take a week or so, and we're going to talk about serving at the Orchard Church. I mean, it takes over 150 people every Sunday to have church the way that we have it. Everything from the setup team, to the teardown team, to the host team, to the praise and worship team. It takes like 75 people serving in the children's ministry to watch all the kids. And you know, we want to give you an opportunity. Not just because we need your help, but because you need to serve the Lord. You need to enjoy the blessings of serving the Lord. It feels good. It's something that will last for all eternity. And you know, I know sometimes you talk about serving and talk to people about serving the Lord. And they go, well, I don't have any ability. I don't have any talents. I can't play the guitar like these guys. And I can't sing like Jake. And, you know, I can't drum like Travis. And I got no ability. Listen, God is not looking for ability. You know what He's looking for? Availability. He's looking for availability. Some of the greatest servants of the Lord that I've ever seen are people who are just willing. Just willing. And there's not, a, there is not, let me say this loud and clear. There is not a place to serve here in the Orchard Church that is not important. Every single position, every single thing is important. And you have those opportunities. But in heaven, we will offer perfect service. Our service isn't always perfect today. Sometimes we it's not perfect because we don't do it. Sometimes it's not perfect because we do it with the wrong attitude or the wrong motive. But you know what? In heaven, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to offer perfect service in a perfect environment. It's going to be cool. And then there's some, another blessing of the eternal life. We shall see His face, verse 4 says. John says, we shall see His face. And this answers a question a lot of people ask about heaven. When I get to heaven, will I recognize people? Will I recognize my wife? Will I recognize my husband? Will I recognize my children? Will I recognize you know, my grandma, my grandpa that have gone on before me? Will I recognize my friends? Absolutely yes. We see that throughout Scripture. We don't have time to go into all the stories. But there's many stories in the Scripture that talk about people you know, in heaven, in eternity, and recognizing people and seeing people. And you remember when Jesus, after He rose from the dead in His glorified body, showed up to His disciples, and they, and they recognized Him. They realized who He was, and, and they knew Him, and He knew them. And remember Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and Moses and Elijah show up there, and the disciples are like, Hey, that's Moses and Elijah. 
And Jesus didn't have to introduce them, and they never met them. And Jesus didn't have to go, oh, by the way, this is Moses, and this is Elijah. They, you know, here's what I believe. I believe when we get to heaven, that's when we'll really know each other. And we'll know people that we've never even known before. We'll know them. It's going to be amazing. But here's the, here's the ultimate blessing of heaven. We're going to see God's face. And we're going to know Him. And He's going to know us. We're going to see God face to face. You know, that's something that, that doesn't happen in this life and on this earth. You know, Moses one time begged God, God, please, I want to see you. I want to see you. And God's like, listen. But I'm just going to paraphrase. This is the duck version of the Bible. Basically, God said, listen, Moses, if you saw me, you'd be a crispy critter. You know, you just, you just blow up. And he's like, but I'll, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. And I'll just kind of whiz by real quick. And you'll see a little bit of my glory. And, and just that, Moses' face glowed for days. And the children of Israel saw it when he came down on the, on the mountain. Because God knew if Moses saw him in his earthly body, he would, he would just die. Just right there. John 1.18 says, no one has seen God at any time. But 1 Corinthians 13.12 tells us this. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but one day face to face. I, I tell you, there's a cool show. If you've got cable and you've got uh, Lifetime, all right, and I don't usually watch Lifetime, but there's a cool show on Lifetime that, that you got to see. It's called Coming Home. Have you guys seen that show, Coming Home? you got to watch it. It's about our military guys that go off to serve you know, in the armed forces, and then they, uh, they're gone for a year, year and a half, two years, and then they surprise bring them back. And, they, and, and their families, they just kind of see them. They, they make an arrangement. They don't know that they're back. And I mean, it, I, well, I just, ooh, you know, I do, man. I mean, it just brings tears to my eyes every time that I watch. It's an incredible show. You need to check it out. You know, as I've watched that show, and I thought about what John is saying here, you know, and you see the faces on the family when they see face to face that, that father they haven't seen, that mother they haven't seen. You know, father seeing his kids he hasn't seen for a year or two. Y'all, can you imagine with me for a moment what it's going to be like when the God we have learned about and studied about, some of us, for our whole life, we finally get to see Him face to face. Wow! Talk about coming home. It is going to be amazing. And then, John tells us in verse 4, another blessing is we shall have His name. We will have His name. On our foreheads. I don't know how He's going to do it. You know, I don't know if we're going to all go by and He's going to like stamp it on there. I don't know if we're going to get these eternal tattoos. So some of y'all are like, I'm never going to get a tattoo. You might have one one day. In heaven, believers are going to have somehow the name of God on their forehead. I don't know how God's going to exactly do this. But we're, we're going to have... Is the, and what is that? And this is just a great truth. I mean, this is such a blessing when you understand what this means. Uh, my, my earthly father, he uh, passed away about 11 years ago. And when he passed away, my, my dad was a, a master electrician by trade. So he had all kinds of tools. You know, I, I don't know anything about electricity other than don't stick your finger in the light socket. You know, he didn't teach me that stuff. And he just always took care of it. But when he passed away, I inherited all of these incredible tools from my dad. I don't know how to use 95% of them. And every time I've said that to you guys, I get guys afterward, hey, can I come over and take a look at those? No. Okay. If I need help, I'll call you and you can use it. But okay. But I got this stuff. And you know what? Every single piece of you know tool that my dad passed on to me has his name on it. Every single thing. Because you know, he worked around other people and he wanted people to know that's my possession. That belongs to me. That 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 is my identification. That is mine. And on everything I've got, you know, 
Charlie Dameron, Charlie Dameron. He either engrave it or he put it on one of those old, you know, those old little label makers, you know, and it'd be on there and some of them are falling off. But he wanted people to know that, that stuff belonged to him. One day, we will have our Father's name in our forehead. You know why? Because we belong to him. For all eternity, we are his. And he is ours. And we are protected and we are with him and we belong to him and we identify with him. We saw this in the beginning of Revelation chapter 3 verse 12. God said that I will write on him my new name. We're going to have his name. The name reminds us of all eternity belonging to him. And then finally, we've got a couple more here. We shall, there shall be no night in heaven. There shall be no night. You know, and, and nighttime is not all bad. I mean, you know, if you work during the day, you sleep at night and that's always nice. But in heaven, we don't have to sleep. So there's not going to be any night. But you know what? Most of the time in the Bible when it talks about night and darkness, it's in a negative connotation. We know that most crimes take place at night. They tell us 70% of all crimes take place at night under the cloak of darkness. In 1 John 1, 5, it says, This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light. And in Him there is no darkness at all. So it only makes sense there's going to be no night in heaven. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, it says of us who know Christ... You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. And we've already seen in Revelation 21 and 22, the glory of God is going to illuminate heaven, the new Jerusalem. It's going to shine through all those magnificent jewels we've studied about in Revelation 21. And there's going to be no night there for all eternity. And then finally, and this is one of the coolest ones of all, we shall reign forever, verse 5 says. We shall reign forever. Now, now this is the kind of the balance of, we saw that we're going to serve the Lord, but it's not like we're going to just be, you know, slaves in heaven, you know, okay, I just got to wait on the Lord, hand and foot, and what's in it for me? No, we're going to serve with Him, but we're also going to reign with Him. We're going to serve with the Lord and reign with the Lord. We are going to be royalty. Don't miss this. The Bible says we are going to be royalty in heaven. We're going to rule and reign with Him. In the millennium and in heaven. Revelation 1.5. We already learned this in the first book, the first chapter of this book. It says, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. That reversed the curse, didn't it? And he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He has made us kings and priests. We are spiritual royalty because the curse has not only been removed, but we've been made kings and queens with the Lord for all eternity in heaven. Now, isn't that cool? What a privilege and honor. And you know what? Every once in a while, Hollywood will come out with a movie that has just got some incredible spiritual truths in it. And uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, if you know anything about C.S. Lewis that wrote those, he was a you know, pretty dedicated believer. And he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, the books, and then the movies were made from the books, with biblical truth in mind. And there's an incredible scene that is pictured at the very end of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where the common, everyday, ordinary children, the Pevens children, become royalty. And it's an incredible picture of what we're going to have in eternity. We shall reign with Him. With that in mind, watch the last scene of the movie as we close this morning.
the glistening eastern sea, I give you Queen Lucy, the Valiant.